0: This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: What is today is John Solomon and uh, JustTheNews.com, and he's got some breaking news for us. And, John, uh, what's going on today? We do
2: a lot going on. Let's start overseas. Uh, President Joe Biden in Poland today gave a very fiery speech letting Vladimir Putin, there is no chance that Russia will score a win in Ukraine. We're determined to fight it to the end, He said... Uh, and he's called on Putin to look for a strategy to exit the war now. So a little a little olive branch, maybe at uh, the beginning of uh, the, some discussions. Both sides have lost heavy casualties, and I think the president is betting that maybe Putin may be in a mind to do a little bit of negotiating. Vladimir Putin came back a few minutes later and said, no, nope, I don't want to cooperate with the United States, and I'm going to stop complying with one of the START nuclear treaties. So uh, cold reception thus far, but I think behind the scenes, There's some discussions going on that might lead to something better. So Putin raised the stakes. He did. By saying,
1: I'm going to stop complying with the nuclear thing.
2: He did. And then he also is hosting a meeting with the Chinese leader Xi. So moving closer and closer to China. That's a dynamic. A lot of people in Washington are watching closely. Very concerned if China and Russia are pushed together as closer bedfellows.
1: Uh, my, my biggest problem, that originally uh, my gut feeling was uh, six, seven, eight years ago before the Olympics that he right. wanted to be closer to the European community. I think that's right. And uh, we, at that time, our government pushed him away.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I think starting with the Russia collusion narrative, uh, actually really starting in 2014 when the Obama administration uh, supported the overthrow of a Ukrainian elected president that was closer to Putin, installed their own person, Petro Peschenko. Uh that began a rocky relationship. After that, with the Russia collusion allegations, Putin realized Democrats were never going to really give in to him, and the, and the coldness has just grown and grown. But I think you're right. A lot of people will look back a decade from now and say, we missed an opportunity maybe to bring him closer and to keep him uh, out of the sort of trouble that we find ourselves with him now.
1: Uh, well, you say uh, eventually. I'm looking at it right now because I see Putin, uh, Russia, Pakistan, uh, yeah. uh, Iran – forming their own alliance and uh... it wasn't necessary it it's wasn't
2: just uh... no a missed opportunity ideological politics of democrats i think uh... trump their pragmatism and the evil axis is now much larger and a china putin uh... alliance is something that could be very damaging to the united states long term and so agree. a lot of people are worried
1: agree now tell me uh... all these car pro- all these train problems yes uh... i mean i'm starting to smell a rat i mean uh, yeah. what, what What say you? What do you think?
2: Well, there's been a half dozen significant derailments, uh, four in the last two weeks uh, since the Ohio thing. A lot of people are wondering, is it sabotage? Is it terrorism? There's a lot of people looking at things. Over the weekend, they found a pipe bomb uh, near a Catholic church near one railway. That's raised some interest. Hey, were there earlier pipe bombs? Uh, NTSB, FBI looking at it thus far, no sign of that, but too many of these and under almost identical circumstances. So I think people are watching a lot closer.
1: My biggest fear is there so many uh, tracks in our country. How the hell you prevent all of them from something going wrong? <clears throat> and with the borders, yeah, there's more people coming through the borders yep. than we can keep track of.
2: Ninety-eight uh, people with known terrorism ties interacted with last year. We're, gonna, we're on track to eclipse that record. And those are the people we're finding, the ones that get away through the, the cracks in the border. We don't know how many of those are. And a very thing, big thing happened last week. While we were all focused on the China balloon and what China was up to, the Biden administration announced it will no longer allow the Customs and Border Protection Agency to use their own aerial balloons that they use for surveillance. That's how we stop a lot of the really bad people that sneak through the uh, the holes in the border. Uh, that's going to blind a lot of uh, border agents. I'm hearing a lot of people in the security world not happy with that decision.
1: Well, uh, we better we, we we better start protecting our borders. Otherwise, I think we're in deep uh, doo doo, as I yeah. as they would say. Uh, we got a minute left. Anything else we'd like to tell people?
2: Yeah, I had a really interesting interview with President former President Donald Trump yesterday, and he said something. He doubled. He's really changed. He's reversed course. He now is embracing early voting and absentee voting, saying we can't keep f- starting the election in a hole. That's a big change for the president. He said paper ballots day of. That's it. So a uh, significant change going into 2024, that has more effect than just on Donald Trump. It has other Republicans now talking, we're all going to jump in and do early balloting. That could change the Democratic strategy in 2024. They've had a monopoly on that. If Republicans get into it, it's a whole new ballgame.
1: And my biggest problem with that is, uh, I, I think you early balloting, or to me, I would look at Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, yep. yeah. because at least you could put on a staff to to make sure everything is right.
2: That's right. You can check the IDs and make sure everything's right. That, that's a common-sense solution that I think could ultimately end up in, in the mix. Uh, there's going to be a lot of rethinking of election systems after 2024. I'm pretty sure of that.
1: Well, John Solomon, thank you so much Great for honor. coming on. And uh, we look forward to do, talking more often because you're one common-sense guy. And tell us your website. Yep, justthenews.com. I'll be, uh, I always go at midnight when you oh. come up with all the hot news. We love it. <laughs> thank you. I love being on WABC thank you we'll catch up again soon all
0: right it's cats at night on the red apple podcast network it's cats at night on the red apple podcast network
1: you got another smart guy and and he's in from florida and he's he's telling all new yorkers come on down (laughs) uh Jimmy Patronis CFO of Florida. Tell us what does the word CFO of Florida mean?
3: So I'm the chief financial officer, and I'm, I appreciate you calling me a smart guy, not a wise guy. So this is uh, this has been an opportunity. You're to not from Brooklyn. No, I'm not from Brooklyn. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
4: Your but, family's not Gambino. Okay.
3: No, not. But I But look, I, I, I love I love having an opportunity to promote the state of Florida and uh and look the, the state of New York pays a lot of utility bills in the state of Florida especially in Palm Beach and Broward and Miami-Dade counties and uh and look we we welcome you we appreciate you and I just wanted to come and tell you in person that a we're a lot open.
1: of New York retirement <laughs> checks and a lot of <laughs> yes. New York social security checks go directly to Florida they do and 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 I understand uh, 484,000 New Yorkers, New York City, New York State, in the last 24 months left New York. A lot of them went to Florida. Uh, tell us about the statistics in Florida.
3: Sure. So we have about 900 people a day moving to the state, and it's a staggering number. We had over 300,000.
1: 360,000 a year.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy.
1: I, look, I got mm-hmm. on the uh, math SATs. I did well. The English, forget about it. <laughs> no, wow, but that was impressive.
3: That was very impressive. Go ahead. John. But, but, but uh, with all that, you know, and you think about what is more flattering: somebody that has spent their entire life living in New York. No, you no, know, they they they've got a pension. They've got a retirement. They've saved up. They moved to Florida. And now they're they're putting kids in our. I mean, they're not putting kids in our schools. So they're 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 paying property taxes for schools, but they're not taking advantage of any of the services. They're not going to prison because they're at a tage, stage in life with no threat. They're going to come down. They'll have Medicare, so they're not going to be giving us bad debt at the hospitals. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful relationship, and I'm just grateful that New York has found Florida.
1: Well, that is wonderful. And uh, you know what I tell people? Uh, we have 20 million people in New York State, New mm-hmm. York City, New York State. 20 million people in Florida, give or take.
3: 22.
1: 22 million.
3: 22 million.
1: And your budget, the budget in New York City New York State, if we're sitting right here in New York City right now, is 330000000000 billion. You're under $100 billion.
3: So the governor's proposed budget, Governor DeSantis rolled out his proposed budget last week, $114 billion. Oh, you went up. Yes. <laughs> still a bargain it's still a bargain still, it is it is but you know but the, look the budget if we go back to the first time i was serving the legislature back in 2006 the budget was 60 billion dollars so it, it's grown but so is the state
1: now law and order I understand you guys believe in it.
3: We do. We do. We, we reward it. Thank actually. goodness. And we know, saw that, right? by
4: the way, from your governor yesterday. Yeah. It was in New York.
3: Yeah. So the governor came out and, and created a recruitment bonus of $5,000 if you were a law enforcement officer from another state and wanted to come to the state of Florida. So uh, he has been doing a recruiting tour. He went to three states yesterday, and he was at Long Island. and uh letting people know that the $5000, you know, welcome bonus is available. So again, we appreciate our law enforcement. Well, it, we
1: we give out welcome bonuses too, <laughs> but we give them to the migrants who checked out border.
4: Who out border and and, and, and paid taxes. Right. room service. Right. Um what else do they get, right? right. Free cell phones?
3: It's it look it, it it I I can I don't want to make light of it. It's it's serious, but you know what? I I I appreciate where the governors of the southern-bordered states have finally had said, enough's enough, we need to show everybody else what we're dealing with. And that's what it boils down to.
1: And that's very true.
4: I understand we also have uh, uh, Alan Dershowitz on? Yeah, we got, uh, we're got. we getting Professor Alan Dershowitz coming up in just oh, a few minutes, okay. and there's some hot stuff. By the yeah, way, absolutely. I want to ask you, to to John's point, the whole – you know, exodus to Florida, a lot of it is the woke policies. And that was one of the things that Governor DeSantis talked about yesterday. He was like, you know, the woke, this experiment with Mm -hmm. criminal justice reform, ain't working by the liberals. That was his big highlight. He went in a big war of words with New York Mayor. Uh, You know, we saw the back and forth. But how much is that, do you think, is what's driving everybody to come to Florida? And there's a new thing today, by the way. It's been in the headlines about the federalizing that President Biden is planning on basically Federalizing woke and all these agencies. Absolutely.
3: In in the agencies and then now also going back to uh, corporations and making demands of them to have this incorporated in their their cost of doing business. And then I've got CEOs that are being contacted by <laughs> these ESG consultants to make sure I'm making your company woke enough. And all this does is just siphon off money. Look, I, I think that yeah, there's going to be an education from it, but it's just siphoning off money off the bottom line that should be going to the retirements, should be going to the pensions, should be going to the unfunded liabilities. So, um, the, this administration, the teleprompter's got too much power.
5: You know what's not to like about Florida? You got clean streets, you got safe streets, you got sunshine. If uh, Judge, if they extend that $5,000 to lawyers, maybe we should look at that. <laughs> How about just lawyer, lawyers <laughs> <How> <laughs> about the
6: you train have
1: to time more? <laughs> lawyers, you have to pay more. Now, I understand you took $2 billion out of a, what was it? BlackRock?
3: BlackRock yeah
1: that's a lot of money
3: most the most of yeah. yeah the most any state has done um we we got to the point where I needed to make sure the bottom line for the state of Florida is as healthy as possible uh as we were starting to look at the different policies and performances of the funds that I manage uh Blackrock was in the middle of the pack and uh, and and quite frankly, I think Larry Fink has gotten too Absorbed in his ESG doctrine and not focused on the bottom line. I mean, that
1: is, you know, uh, our old friend Trump used to say, that's a lot of, what what, what did he he say? Yeah, full of crap. (laughs) (laughs) So we
0: we have it just for replaying. You got that? Jimmy likes that one. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: And now joining us here is Alan Dershowitz, the great I, I constitutional know if scholar. I Alan Dershowitz
1: is a Florida resident. Where do you pay your oh, taxes?
4: Oh, let's find out. Yeah, oh, he, um, he is. Jimmy I knows. I'm a Florida resident.
7: I'm in Miami Beach right now looking at the ocean, and I want to express my appreciation for the people who run Florida for making this an extremely livable town. Uh, we walk Beautiful. every night. Safely, Uh, we love Miami Beach. We, you know, Miami Beach has real diversity, not fake diversity imposed. Mm -hmm. Really different people speak different languages, different food. Uh, This is the paradigm of what diversity should be like—not not uh, not artificial, but genuine and real—and we get along
6: great.
3: Well, it's a a beautiful part of the state. Thank you for making your investment down there. Are you recruiting your friends to come down to Florida?
6: (laughs) We're losing a lot of people here tonight. I don't have
7: any friends left after I defended Donald Trump. So uh you don't want to count on me for recruiting friends, but uh I'll 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 recruit some people. There are a couple of people who still who still talk to me. I had dinner last night uh with, with um a wonderful, wonderful very close friend of Donald Trump Steve Wynn and uh he's uh, as you know he was the republican uh chairman of the fundraising and uh he's a great a great floridian also so he's he's a friend of mine down here but uh uh look it's a great place he, he, we love Steve it Steve Wynn here. We've used been here to
1: be my years. neighbor on 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 5th Avenue I lived on one floor he flew, he lived two floors below me now he's in Miami my god everybody's there right. uh, you know and, I Go ahead, Professor Dershowitz. Go ahead. No, 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 no. It's just the
7: Miami is just the greatest city. And uh, we just love it. We've been here over 10 years. My mother used to come here. I discovered Miami Beach coming to visit my mother in the Sterling Kosher Hotel, where for I think $112 a week, you had all you could eat and even the rolls you can take home and put in your pocket. Uh, this is yeah. a wonderful, <laughs> just, wonderful, uh, no, wonderful no, no. place for the old, old Jewish women. They would sit on the porch together. The can't, you know,
6: you know why that, that is, Alan? Because you can't in Miami. You cannot reserve the bread ah, ah. there there's a local <laughs> so law that you could not re- reserve They'd the bread on the so they would come with these big pocket how do you and know that the, judge because i went he with my so parents much. to the dinner did you to take the bread
1: they're so knowledgeable now judge? The, the one hotel <laughs> the one hotel in miami is 112 dollars an hour yeah i was gonna
0: say uh, that's right <laughs> yeah,
7: yeah we're, we're going there friday night because friday night they have the big food and wine festival which i love every single year in the fountain blue hotel so, you know, this is just a great place. I really recommend people coming down here.
6: Well, and can I raise a couple of points with you The less sure. important than the bread, the bread issue in Florida? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the Supreme Court has a couple of very interesting cases. It has yeah. the whole s- situation with immunity for the tech companies. The other one they, they're looking at is the student debt issue and whether that's uh, unconstitutional or illegal right. for the administration. Could we get your comments on that?
7: I don't think they're going to ultimately decide the 230 uh, issue. It's a bad case, factually. Um, uh, you know, the, the the argument that's being made by the plaintiff is not a particularly strong one against Google, and I think they can probably decide the case without having to reach that issue. They may reach out and try to decide. No, they're not going to abolish 230. It's not unconstitutional, but they might limit it in some way, and 230 is too broad. Uh, you know, it was set up because... Companies like Google are platforms, and they can't control what's on them, so they can't be held well, well, liable for defamation. Excuse but me, excuse if me. If don't take them down, then they can be held liable for defamation. So I think we're mm-hmm. going to see some changes.
1: Excuse me. Now that the lawyers finish saying about 2.30, and nobody else of our million listeners know what the heck you're talking about, what is 2.30? <laughs> there you Explain go, it. Explain right? it. It's, what it's, is 2.30? Uh, uh, big I mean, tech you
7: have lawyers
4: talking to lawyers. Right.
7: It's an exemption that the media platforms have against being sued for defamation. If you say something on your show on an ABC, you can they can tell sue that you. To there's no immunity. Right. Right. And but if you're on a line and if there's if it's just a platform and I understand that, I um, mean, you know, people post the most horrible things about me, about you, about everybody and the platforms can't prevent that from happening. But if they were given 30 days to take it down and they didn't take it down and they took down certain things but not others, that becomes content-oriented, not content-neutral. And I think we're going to see some congressional action about that.
4: Yeah, I I want to ask you also, um, Professor Dershowitz, Dershowitz. this is Rita. Uh, Great to have you with us, too, here.
8: Likewise. Thank you.
4: Thank you. You know, this is really amazing. This just came down like a few hours ago. This is Mexico's security minister. I want to take you down uh, a little further south from where you are. He was just found guilty of taking millions of dollars uh, from Mm -hmm. Mexico's biggest uh, cartel, Sinaloa. Yeah, but this is bought, the guy who's the attorney okay. general. Wait, wait, It's okay. He bought bitcoins with it. Oh, okay, good. Okay. And he's with Sam Bankman-Fried? Is that it?
9: <laughs> I mean, what
4: does that say? The fact that here's the attorney general of Mexico. I mean, talk about how corrupt the whole system is.
7: Well, you know, Mexico is a great country. I love to go there. Mexico City, the food is fantastic. They have a real problem. Of is there free bread
4: there, did, too? <laughs> uh,
7: they haven't really been dealing with it. And uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's a serious problem. And that's why so many people from Mexico want to come to the United States. Look, people can criticize the United States all they want, but people vote with their feet. And Thank there's you. no country in the world that people want to come to more than the United States of America. The only people who don't like America are people on the hard left uh and and uh, right. and you know basically the anti-american attitude we're hearing from some of the woke people is it's just such a lack of appreciation there's so much freedom in this country is it perfect of course not but it's so much better than any other place in the world and all people do is complain about it and uh, you know you, if you want to complain make it better Fine. i agree wow. wow
0: it's cats at night on the red apple podcast network It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: Ryan Payne with Ryan no Payne. pain, no gain.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling the pain.
4: Today. Yeah,
1: we're feeling a lot of pain. Right. Ryan Payne, tell us what the heck is going on? Why is the market uh, tanking?
10: Well, yeah, first off, I think I only get called when there's pain in the market. So there is something to that. But, you know, I think the, the biggest problem right now the market's having is inflation has been very stubborn. You know, last week we had the, uh, Inflation numbers come out. We had the producer's price index come out, which is wholesale inflation. And they're just very stubborn here. And a lot of economists thought that number would come down. And it really didn't come down. Now you're seeing the 10-year treasuries up to 3.9%. So I think the big concern here is, John, a concern you and I have had, is the Fed may just have to keep raising interest rates and keep them higher for longer, which you and I know is not a good idea.
1: It's not a good idea. It's destroying the real estate market. Uh and when is the next Fed
10: meeting? Uh, the next Fed meeting, I believe, is sometime in March. So, you know, we still have some economic data come out until then. Un- unemployment is going to be the big one, right? Because the employment numbers came in super hot for January. So, you know, what they come in for February is going to be a big deal. Because that's the other problem is the Fed wants to call up the labor market, which I think is crazy. It's always good to have jobs in this country. Um, so, we're just going to have to see what the labor market looks like. But I suspect that's not going to cool off. You know, there's a lot of uh, job openings out there and there's not enough Americans to fill those jobs.
1: And your gut feeling, I mean, is you think it might be a buying opportunity or or fashion your seatbelt?
10: I, I do. You know, I was pretty optimistic all year last year on your show. You know, I think a softer landing is probably the highest probability, because, again, if you have a strong labor market and even though inflation didn't come down last month, it's down a lot, right? We had 9% peak inflation in the summer. You're down to 6%. So, you know, we want to win the war, not the battle. And I think, you know, inflation may be stubborn here, but it is coming down. And I do think that employment market is going to stay strong. We saw retail sales came in phenomenal last month. People are spending money. So I actually think the economy I'm is going to be I'm not buying a new corporate strong. jet. You
1: know, the, Good, John. But the interest rates are too high. Ryan Payne. Thank you so much for coming on, and we'll talk real soon again.
0: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: We have now with us Dr. William Parker. He is the CEO of Parker Maritime. And uh, Dr. Parker, big, huge news today. Um, Obviously, markets was huge news. The other big news, Putin coming out and basically saying he's continuing. He also said he's pulling out of the nuclear treaty, the START treaty. Uh, what is your reaction to this? Wow.
11: This is a big deal. Uh, first of all, great to be on your show. But this is this is a really big deal from Putin. Um, you know, when you, when you look at it, uh, first of all, this war could have been prevented in the first place. But we can talk about that later if you want to. Yeah, but by the way, for sure. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, it provides. Uh, verifiable limits on all Russian-deployed intercontinental nuclear weapons. that's the bottom line. And it also prevents uh, from anybody doing a test without the other side knowing about it. So there's all kind of inspections. There's all kind of number limits. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is it prevents those missiles from being tested so that the other side isn't confused and inadvertently responds to what they think is an attack on their country. That was that was put aside with start. Now, with him walking away from start, this is a big deal.
4: How much of it do you think is real or how much do you think of it as him just pumping his chest, obviously, given all the dynamics and Biden just going over to Ukraine?
11: I think it's a combination of the two. I think that Biden going over to the Ukraine uh, probably didn't make him real happy. Um, but I also think that uh He's saying, uh, look, I'm going to walk away from this thing because it's the one piece of equipment that I have that still makes you nervous. Because his army obviously is incapable, but his nuclear force uh, could could do significant damage to the world.
4: Well, you know, I was seeing um, earlier that uh, between U.S. and Russia, they have 90 percent of the world's nukes. And uh, Zelensky came out and basically was talking about World War Three. I mean, this is scary stuff now.
11: Well, it's interesting because Zelensky, remember, Ukraine was the third largest holder of nuclear weapons before they signed an agreement with Russia and the United States saying they would give up their nuclear weapons if we promised to make sure that they were safe. So we signed that agreement under the Clinton administration, and here we are today. But also remember that before START began, the first START treaty in 1980, we had 53,500 nukes between the United States and the former Soviet Union. Uh, and, and so that number is is dropped uh, precipitously, and we're down to around eleven thousand three hundred right now. Um, uh, but does we'll this, does it have away, those numbers go?
1: Mr. Parker, even though it's down to eleven thousand, does that have the same uh, uh, whack uh, potency
11: potency? Yeah, well, you're 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 right, Mr. Aspen, in in that. Um, the size of the warheads are increasing, the MIRV capability, the multiple reentry vehicle capability has increased, the complexity, the, uh, the uh, speed at which they're delivered, now hypersonic weapons, etc., cetera, increases. But still, that number of nuclear weapons, very difficult to maintain control of knowing where they all are, much harder to ensure that you know where every nuclear weapon is and one of them doesn't, under, uh, doesn't end up in a city near you. As opposed to when that number gets smaller, you have a better chance of controlling those or at least knowing where they all are.
5: Doctor, this is Craig Eaton. So you say there's 11,300 now between the United States and Russia, correct?
11: Correct. As as of 2022, uh, Russia had about 5,400. I'm sorry, U.S. had 5,400. Russia had 5,900.
5: That's what I wanted to know, what what the breakdown was between us and Russia. Okay.
11: Yeah, so we, we've come down. Uh, we've, we've come down pretty nicely together. And remember that that uh, start has all kind of a new start has all kind of limitations, uh, very specific. And we were working our way down quite nicely, quite frankly. Seven, you know, the the rule was that in seven years, by by twenty five, actually, we were going to have seven hundred deployed ICBMs, SLBMs, and heavy bombers for each country. Um, about 1,500 total nuclear warheads and about 800 deployed and non-deployed ICBMs and launchers. So those numbers were coming down, and we were both sides were meeting their numbers, and so that's why this is this hugely disappointing uh, where we're at now. Remember, since one February of of, of last year. We had 328 on site inspections and over 25,000 uh, exchange in, in information. Wow. Thank you well, thank very
1: you. much. Thank wow. you, uh, Mr. Parker. And Mr. Parker was with the Navy for, was it 37 years, uh, Mr. Parker? I don't remember.
11: Well, well over 30. It was a long well time. Well over 30. Oh, well, you thank know you your so stuff. Much. And you
1: know your stuff. And God bless you for everything you've done. And uh, you keep speaking out for our country.
12: Thank you so much.
0: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Cats at night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: And joining us now to talk about this big headline today, of course, President Zelensky saying, if China gets engaged, it will be like World War III. Scary stuff. And who better than the best China expert out there, Gordon Chang? He, of course, has the book, The Coming Collapse of China. Gordon, great to have you here on the show. What do you make of this and how concerned are you of China getting involved?
9: Well, China already is involved, Rita. Um, almost every day, an AN-124, um, which is the largest cargo plane in the world, leaves China's Zhengzhou in the central part of the country with ammunition and other high-consumption-rate items. And those Russian planes, they turn off their transponders when they depart. So we know that China is supplying lethal assistance. The Biden administration says, oh, you know, um, China hasn't started that yet. Well, of course they have, and they've been. And China's been actually supplying this information um, and stuff from the very beginning of the war. Um, that was when, uh, for instance, China was feeding location data to Russia. That was data from Chinese-made drones that Ukraine was operating. Uh, China supplied that data to Russia, and they then the Russians took out the Ukrainian drone operators. That's from the very beginning of the war. The Biden administration knows this, but they won't do anything about it.
6: Gordon, it's Richard Weinberg. You know, I was reading about it today in The Wall Street Journal, and it seemed to me that this was a so-called red line, but you're saying that this is already the facts on the ground. How do you explain the denial of this reality?
9: I think the Biden administration is afraid. They think that if they confront China over this or other things, that uh, the Chinese won't talk to them on climate change. And so Biden acts very timidly with regard to the Chinese. And the Chinese see this, and that's, so they continue Gordon, That's thunder. amazing. Wait,
1: wait, wait. Was that a joke, or was that for no? Me? No, I think climate got, change in, yeah. the, the, the Chinese are that, opening up two
4: thousand coal fields. Of course, right.
6: but that's John Kerry. That's John Kerry's riff,
4: right? And that they would put climate change over uh, world yeah. security right now. I mean, that's astounding.
9: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's my guess. Um, if if that's not it, then it's inexplicable. Um, but clearly, uh, the Biden policy is wrong. Because if you want China to do something, you got to impose costs on China because you got to give them an incentive to deal with you. And the Biden team has not learned that yet. And it's not just Biden. I mean, we have seen this behavior in all previous administrations. Um, so this is uh, bipartisan American failure to deal with uh, the greatest threat that we face.
4: Wow. Uh, Gordon, thank you so much. You are terrific, and you're the best Asia expert out there. Thank you so much for being here on Cats at Night. We love you, Gordon. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Gordon. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Zach it's Zach Williams uh, Yeah,
4: we're going to bring in Zach Williams uh, actually, who is of course the New York Post reporter. And uh Zach, uh the judge and I were talking about this earlier. Go ahead, judge. You want to start with because Zach, it really you changes had a decision the decision from
6: the State Supreme Court out in Suffolk County about the uh, unconstitutional action of the State Senate denying Judge LaSalle a full Senate hearing. Uh what's the significance of the judge's decision?
12: Well, first of all, thanks for having me again. And, yes, it's a really important ruling today out of Suffolk County Supreme Court. Basically, the judge, Thomas Whelan, ruled that whenever a judicial pick comes before the state Senate, it must come to a floor vote. Now, if you remember, the state Senate had insisted for weeks that a vote by the Judiciary Committee suffice to reject Hector LaSalle or any other judicial nominee And moving forward, we're going to have another nominee now that LaSalle was voted down last week. uh, In the coming weeks, probably sometime uh, around the beginning of April, Governor Kathy Hochul will have to name another nominee to be chief judge of the Court of Appeals. And this time around, Senate Democrats aren't going to be able to lean on the argument that a committee vote alone can block a judicial pick. And this, of course, could make it easier for the governor to get someone confirmed whatever objections uh, legislative progressives might have.
4: You know, Judge, it's interesting. You were saying that technically some of these others, even LaSalle, could go back to. Well, sure. Under the Rules Act,
6: uh, anybody who was previously before the committee, the application is automatically resent to this commission, to Judicial Commission. So theoretically, a whole bunch of those folks, the same names, could be submitted again.
12: Exactly. Um, and, you know, there were six people on the list previously screened by states state panel who were not nominated. Of course, Justice LaSalle, Judge LaSalle could technically be eligible again, although I think it's safe to say that the governor might just stay away from him this time around. I mean, he was rejected by the state Senate 39 to 20 after all. But that said, you know, if there's another uh, candidate who has kind of a similar Uh, you might say uh, centrist judicial record, you know, she might be able to get him confirmed this time around, especially if he uh, doesn't arouse the anger of organized labor like LaSalle did, unfortunately, uh,
0: for his nomination.
4: All right. Well, Zach, thank you so much for this big news coming from Albany. Uh, Zach Williams with New York Post.
0: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
4: Now, joining us here on Cats and Cosby, we have Kimberly Guilfoyle, of course, a great aide there, senior staffer with Trump, great TV host, uh, goes on and on and on. And Kimberly, this is Rita Cosby here on Cats and Cosby. Great
8: to have you here. Great to be on with you, my amazing friend. So I'm uh, very happy to be on your program today. And yes, you've got some great news. I'm only did Don Jr. launch a show on Rumble, but I am getting one out there too, at Kimberly Gilfall on Rumble, and I'm going to be launching it, doing it live from CPAC next week, next Thursday, March 2nd. And I'll be doing two shows a week to start out on, and I'm really excited. It's going to have a Pretty interesting format. I'll do some of the hard news, political stuff at the top, and then follow up with everything from entertainment, pop culture, law, all of the above. So it's going to be kind of like through the shows that I helped co-found, Outnumbered, and The Five, but with uh, yours uh, truly. And nothing's going to be, you know, off limits. And that's the great part about being on Rumble. It's not, you know, cancelable. And that's why we love to be on that forum and be able to bring people the truth, the news, the real facts out there, like you guys do on your program, uh, because there's not enough of it out there. There's too much of the fake news in the media and trying to brainwash people and not covering actually what's really going on. So well- you know, that's why I like to listen to your program, and you have great guests on, and um, I'm hoping to do the same.
4: I was going to say, you're going to be awesome at it. You've always been awesome, my friend. You and I have known each other like 20-plus years, and it's going to be we're a home run. a lot
8: I... of cases together outside, you know. Yes. Since teenagers. Cases, yes.
4: Everything. We were, we were, we were uh, teenagers in the crib, I think, when we were first started. You, <laughs> I'm so thrilled for you, and everyone's going to be tuned in. And, boy, you have a lot to talk about. I mean, one of the things... I can't wait to get your take on this, Kim. Um, and everybody, we're talking to the great Kimberly Guilfoyer launching a show on Rumble, which is awesome. Uh, Buttigieg finally is saying um, he's going to go to East Palestine, Ohio, when the time is right. Um, of course, you know uh, that President Trump is going to be going there tomorrow. What do you make Absolutely. of that? Isn't that talk yes. about a reaction?
8: Real leaders show up when it matters most. President Trump is the one that stood up and said, "I'm going to go there and talk to the people," because you know he never stopped caring and working hard for the people out there. And I am just astonished that President Biden hasn't gone to Ohio instead. On you know, President say, "Where was he? He was in Ukraine." I mean, it's unbelievable just the juxtaposition of putting you know America last, what he's doing, and President Trump putting America first and making sure we take care of our own right here at home. People suffering, looking for leadership, delays from FEMA, from the EPA. Buttigieg has been a complete disaster, an abysmal failure. So there's a lot that we need to get going in this country. And that's quite frankly why President Trump, even though he doesn't need the job, is going to run again and I believe will win the nomination and ultimately take back the presidency because people are seeing the difference out there. And what we had in just two years, the dramatic change, a lack of, uh, of a growing economy, no manufacturing, no infrastructure, um, not respected on the world stage. We have now numerous, you know, multiple national security threats on multiple fronts. And it's just it's it's not, uh, you know, a bright day in America, but it can be again. And I'm looking forward to covering and talking about all of it.
5: Kimberly, this is Craig Eaton. I was the chairman in Brooklyn of the Republican Party for for 10 years from 2005 to 2016, And I had the pleasure of meeting President Trump on many, many occasions. But it's such a disgrace what's going on right now. I mean, look at what's happening with Putin. Look what's happening with China. The United States has no respect around the world. And all of these world leaders are are just beating us up and and threatening us and putting Uh us into a position where we fear for our lives and fear for our you know harm. And something needs to stop. It needs to stop here. Something needs to change.
8: It's really alarming, and you had a great guest on earlier with uh, Gordon Chang, and, you know, he stated it all really well, and this is this is something that Americans should be concerned about. It's actually quite frightening, and it's destabilizing, you know, across, uh, you know, multiple fronts here, and, you know, you can't feel so safe at home when you've got this going. I mean, China's flying balloons over. And what, I mean, what is going on
4: here?
5: I've never seen anything like this. I've never never in my 62 years ever felt this way. And the border,
4: look at the border wide open. I've never seen a president who says, come on in, we're not going to vet you, keep coming. I mean, Kim, it's it's astounding. It's a disgrace. And And I think about how different under Trump.
8: Yeah, no, it was massively different. And, you know, it's just sad because there's a real crisis at the border. It's a national security risk and threat at the border. Um, The drugs that are coming in, the fentanyl, the overdoses, I mean, this is... People should be very alarmed by it. It is very disturbing. I can tell you that as a former prosecutor. having I mean, have worked in Los Angeles, San Francisco, all of the above. And uh, the border is a huge problem right now. But, you know, we've got so many fires to put out. And it's amazing when you look at what happened and how good we did under President Trump and how quickly in two years this has really just gone completely awry.
1: Well, thank you, Kimberly. We're almost at the end of the show. we got 30 seconds. What would you like to tell All America?
8: No, well, I just want to say God bless America. Ohio President Trump's coming for you. And we're looking forward to uh, talking to you and hearing from you guys on my new show at Kimberly Guilfoyle. Please follow me. Awesome. Congrats, my friend. It's going to be a home run.
1: And and Kimberly, you you know what we stand for in this show? Truth, Truth, justice, Justice, and the the American American
4: way. way. God bless America.
0: America. Thank Thank you,
4: Kim. We wish you so much success.
0: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.